You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from Proteum, and this week I've got a frog in my throat. But not not for the purposes of like recording. I, it, it sounds fine. It's not like laryngitis. It's it's that I'm I'm talking with my throat, and what I'm talking about is a frog because this week's subject is bullywugs. And can you believe we still have like 200 episodes left of these intros? You can find the Bullywug on page 35 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. They are our second humanoid. They're sort of like toad people, toad or frog people, sort of dwelling in swamps and marshes. They're presented here as having like a strict hierarchy and being very concerned about social class and position and upward mobility and stuff. Uh, all about like courtly intrigue, with also with like a, a love of treasure. Like the Aarakocra, mechanically, the Bullywugs are pretty simple, but they have a few different traits. They have amphibious, so they can breathe in air and water. They have uh, speak with frogs and toads, which is kind of similar to the gnomes speak with burrowing animals power. Uh, They have swamp camouflage because their skin supposedly sort of changes hues, kind of like a chameleon. And then they have standing leap, my favorite ability, uh, back from the uh, the bullette, as well as multi-attack. They have a, a bite attack and a spear attack. And that's kind of the Bullywug. Again, a a humanoid, so not necessarily mechanically very interesting, but in the world has a little bit more footing and lore behind it than, say, something like a bullet or an ankeg or whatever. Next, we're going to talk about the history of the Bullywug in D&D and how it's appeared across various editions. The Bullywug is a first edition monster. It appeared in the Fiend Folio in 1981, so a little bit later than, you know, say the Monster Manual. And they're pretty much as they're presented here. But of course, as with all first edition entries, they do make this weird point about the monsters hopping. That, like, hopping can give them, like, how far they can hop and how high they can hop and stuff like that. They do have an ability where if a Bullywug hops at you, they can add double damage on any attacks where they hit. Which sounds kind of silly, but we might actually mine that later for our redesign, so keep that in mind. Famously, Bullywugs appeared as the antagonists in both Dwellers of the Forbidden City, a kind of famous adventure from that period, but also the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, uh, which I think is great. The second edition entry for the Bullywug is kind of rough. There is some sexism in there. They talk about how female Bullywugs exist only to lay eggs, which is not great. And this is true throughout kind of the Bullywug's history, even a little bit here in 5th edition. 5th edition leans into this the least, but across all of the Bullywug's appearances, there is this weird, like, contempt in the text for the monster, particularly in 2nd edition, which I think is really odd, like... They're described at one point in the second edition Monstrous Manual as being as being socially fascist, which is like a weird way to talk about a monster species in D&D, especially because like especially because like most humanoids would live in a feudal system with kingdoms and emperors and, and lords 
which is pretty much just like a military dictatorship. You know, you could argue that's kind of fascistic, but apparently we're going to draw the line here with these bullywogs. Like, those are the real fascists, these these frogs. And there's there's this recurring notion, too, that bullywogs, like, despoil nature, that, like, they, they overfish and they, like, they overhunt and they don't care anything about the land where they live in. And they can sometimes even be, like, a literal blight on the landscape, kind of, like, draining it of its of its life essence. Which is honestly kind of a cool idea for a monster, but sort of weird to make that like a frog creature because frogs are a part of the ecosystem. Like they're animals. It's like if a demon or an undead or like an evil fae did something like that, okay. But like the bullywugs are just creatures. They're just people. And to, to characterize them as these like stains on the land that, you know, it's, it's, it's valorous to kill, ugh, you know, it's, it's pretty yucky. And it kind of clings to them like Ponscum the entire history of Dungeons and Dragons. In 3rd edition, Bullywugs only appear in Monsters of Faerun, which is like an FR-specific supplement that, again, once again, pretty contemptuous towards them. They make this weird point that Bullywugs are especially adept at summoning other monsters, but also that the monsters they summon rarely listen to them. So again, kind of playing into their silliness and incompetence. They also have sort of a swamp walk ability, which means they ignore marshy terrain. It's difficult terrain, and I actually think that's pretty solid, something we could give back to the Bullywug. Now, 4E, as per usual, changes a lot and adds in a connection to slods. According to the Bullywug religion in 4th edition, if the Bullywugs, you know, lived their lives full of sin and depravity, they could eventually, like, aspire to turn into slods. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's what the Bullywugs in 4th edition believe, anyway. They also believe that they're, like, cursed and that the world itself hates them, like, nature hates them, and, like considering how they're written about in the past, yeah, I think that's not an unreasonable stance for a Bullywug to take, that the world is sort of positioned against them. Mechanically, they have sort of like a rancid air kind of a, a stench ability, but sort of disturbingly, they have one called Nature's Release, where the idea is that when you kill a Bullywug, you are rewarded with some hit points, which is a cool mechanic, actually, but again, kind of weird and genocide to give to a sentient race of people, right? Frog people, sure, maybe culturally pretty different from, you know, humanoids, but still people, still listed as humanoids here, kind of messed up, you know what I mean? Pretty weird. And then 5e, I think, does the most to kind of reverse this image. In, in the Monster Manual, they're still described as being loathsome and evil, but they add this note about their obsession with, like, hierarchy and courtly intrigue and the bullywugs kind of, like, you know, like the House of Caesar, like they're always kind of trying to get one over on each other and there's assassinations and plots and poisonings, which, you know, is a little bit more color and gives them a little bit more sense of intelligence rather than just being these like dumb, slack-jawed frog monsters. Beyond that, they have appeared pretty prominently in Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which is a campaign I'm currently running right now. And that book does, I think, go out of its way to portray the Bullywugs, at least in the Feywild, as not necessarily being inherently evil. Like, they are kind of presented as being neutral for the most part, but there are a couple of uh, Bullywug NPCs that are specifically, like, knights. You know, because it's the Feywild, everything is kind of, like, overly courtly, you know, and, and fairy tale inspired. And so there's a few Bullywug knights, kind of like a frog prince thing, that are explicitly good. There's even a stat block in the back of the book for the Bullywug Knight that has like a charming croak ability. So very whimsical keep in keeping with the adventure, but a nice step towards unpacking the idea of inherently evil species. 
Yeah, and that's the history of the Bullywug in Dungeons & Dragons. It's pretty rough. I feel like they've gotten kind of short shrift for most of their history, and I would love to see something a little bit more positive done with them. Not that they can't still be gross frog swamp dwellers, but that doesn't mean they need to be inherent abominations on the face of the earth. There are plenty of places for abominations in Dungeons and & Dragons, and Bullywugs don't have to be one of them. And next, we're going to talk about the good things, the things we like, the, the ways that 5th edition treats the Bullywugs right. The first thing I like about the Bullywugs, particularly in 5th edition, is this focus uh, on their on hierarchy. There's a heading in the 5e Bullywug entry called Foul Aristocracy. And I really like this idea. It gives them this extra flavor and kind of distinguishes them a little bit from, you know, all the sort of monstrous humanoids that the book already has. Orcs, kobolds, goblins, you know, you name it. I like the idea that they are obsessed with social station and that culturally they value climbing the ladder and they're they're like they're almost kind of gossipy, right? Like, ooh, who's the current duke of, you know, mud puddle? Oh, it's this person, but it turns out that actually they have an illegitimate, you know, tadpole somewhere. Like, so I think that's really fun and it gives them this interesting flavor that's I think absent from other creatures kind of at their CR. I think that's cool. And I love the idea of getting wrapped up in like bullywug politics. I think mechanically my favorite ability of theirs is, of course, speak with frogs and toads. Uh, I like that it kind of plays on the gnome's power of speaking with burrowing animals like we mentioned earlier, but it also kind of ties them really nicely to the giant toad, which is a surprisingly mean low CR creature. I love giant toads. I love including them in adventures, and I I like the idea of having bullywugs and giant toads have that kind of uh, uh, companionship. That's cool, and I would even want to strengthen that bond a little bit, which we're going to talk about soon. And the last thing is that something I didn't know about Bullywugs, I didn't realize they had the kind of swamp camouflage uh, chameleon thing, which I think is cool. I feel like sometimes with monsters, they try to present um, a potential tactic that the monsters could use, but then the stats don't really back that up. So, for example, the gelatinous cube from last week doesn't have the stealth skill. It's got terrible dexterity and no stealth, but then it also has transparent. So if the idea is that, you know, you're supposed to, to walk into a gelatinous cube. It's actually not that hard to see it because of how bad it is at stealth. The Bullywugs do a nice job of both being trained in stealth with a plus three and having the swamp camouflage ability, which gives them advantage on stealth checks inside the swamp. So I like that those two things actually dovetail and it, it implies like, okay, these guys are ambushers, right? The Bullywugs are going to hide in the muck and they're going to pop out and attack you. Um, and suddenly you're going to discover yourself surrounded by these frogs. I think that's cool. I like that synergy. And it suggests a type of encounter to me, which is what I like the most about monster design. Yes, like I said, it's pretty simple. Those are the three things I like most about the Bullywug. Next, we're going to talk about areas of improvement and suggest some ideas of how we can make the Bullywug even more engaging as a monster. So I've alluded to it earlier, but I don't know that I've ever actually talked on the podcast about my feelings on this. I think there are vanishingly few monsters that you can describe as being inherently evil at their core and not have it feel kind of yucky and problematic. I think demons, undead, certain fae, aberrations, things that come from beyond our world, right, can be intelligent, can be sentient, and can be, like, at their core evil. Whereas any creature that I think, like, lives and has children and society and clothing and stuff, if they are just like a natural creature on the same planet as elves and dwarves and orcs, 
then I think it's weird to say that they are just inherently bent towards evil, right? In the same way that you wouldn't say that an elf is inherently bent towards good. I mean, you maybe would have used to say that or if you're in Middle Earth or something, but we're not. You know, if you can have an evil elf, then you should be able to have a good bullywug and so on and so forth. So uh, we've talked about it at length now, of course, but I, the inherently evil thing I don't love. And I don't love, the, the, the again, the contempt that the game seems to have for their own monster. Like, get excited, get hype about Bullywugs. You know, the entries should be trying to convince you why they're cool and interesting monsters and not sort of like sneering at this yucky thing that they made. I don't really understand that tone. And 5e, to be fair, doesn't have tons of it, but I think it's kind of in the historical baggage of the Bullywug how much the game seemed to think they were smelly. Secondly, because it's a humanoid monster. It's, it's, a, it's a humanoid, yes, but it's presented as a monster to fight. Mechanically, there's almost nothing going on here. That's kind of to be expected. We're going to encounter that over and over again. We've already encountered it with the Aarakocra. But between, like, Standing Leap and Swamp Camouflage, that's about the most interesting stuff you have. Well, of course, talking with frogs and toads. There's really not much to do here. I don't see this monster and am filled with cool ideas of Bullywug encounters I can do. How you fix that, you know, there's a couple of options which we'll talk about. You could do the 4th edition thing where you make different types of Bullywugs. And I know that those exist. They appear in both Ghosts of Saltmarsh and Wild Beyond the Witchlight, like I said. But I think even just from a base stat of, like, you're going to encounter a Bullywug, if you want to pull it out of the MM, it should be a little bit more fun to run than it is here. Beyond kind of stealth stuff, there's no inherent combat tactic kind of suggested by their stats. So I would like to see that baked into the block a little bit more. And then lastly, oh, Standing Leap. I think of the monsters, it makes sense to put it here if you want to talk about how good of jumpers they are. But because there's no reason for them to jump mechanically, like, it just doesn't really matter. It just feels like it's taking up a bunch of time. I don't know any dungeon masters. If you're getting down to this level of, like, exactly how far can you leap and all of this stuff, like, no one in D&D jumps a reasonable distance i don't feel like most of the time it's like oh 10 15 20 foot jumps because it's a superhero movie and that's what pcs do so it doesn't really matter i mean i think it's fine to have standing leap here because it's it's a frog i get it if you're going to include it there has to be some reason the bullywug is jumping like incentivize me to care about its jump distance and then i think it justifies its existence in the stat block a little bit more on that note let's talk about how we would improve the bullywug just as a monster here and then maybe a little bit uh, kind of outside in the lore as well. So I would actually go back to first edition and I would look at this idea of like a hopping attack. I don't think it would be that difficult to kind of graft a pounce style ability onto the Bullywug. It's similar to what we ended up doing with the Bullet in our stream, but reward the Bullywug for jumping at its enemies, right? Like, I feel like that would be very disconcerting if I'm walking along doing whatever and suddenly springing up out of the mud comes this frog with a spear. I'm not going to know where it lands. I'm not going to know how far it can jump. I think giving it either advantage on attack rolls or dealing extra damage or, or whatever it is, right? Um, I think that could really benefit and make those encounters seem really fun. That like if, if the Bullywug is incentivized to constantly be jumping around, then they're going to bop about the whole time. And it's going to feel like a much more dynamic fight. So I would give them kind of a pounce or a hopping trait that combos with their basic attack. 
I also think you could maybe even give them like a tongue lash. Like imagine the idea of a Bullywug shooting out with its tongue and grabbing somebody's item and pulling it to them, right? Maybe it's like a bonus action. You know, if someone's got a weapon or something that isn't very well secured, the Bullywug can like lash out and grab it. On a bigger note, I would say maybe give the Bullywugs uh, like a summon frogs ability, right? If they can speak with them, I like the idea of them being able to croak and summon these creatures. You know, you could do like a swarm of toads, kind of like you would do a swarm of spiders or something like that, which could be kind of fun. But you could also do a giant toad, which, as I've discussed, is a great monster, and I need more reasons to include giant toads in my campaigns. So, you know, it could be like a, a demon summon where they croak and then there's a, a X percent chance it summons them. It could be more like Children of the Night, like a vampire that, you know, if enough Bullywugs croak together, it can summon, you know, X number of frogs or whatever it is. You know, it's not going to be a huge game changer, but it at least changes the tenor of, of the combat a little bit. And it just gives them a little kind of an extra recharge power thing they can do. You know, you can make it once per day or whatever, so they can't just like keep endlessly summoning in giant toads. But it just changes the tone of the combat, that's all. And that's all I'm looking for. And then lastly, this one is less of a monster note and more something we might do on the stream. I would love to see a Bullywug as a playable ancestry. You can't tell me there aren't Chrono Trigger fans out there who wouldn't want to play as like a sentient frog knight. Come on, like, isn't that cool? I think one good way to like rehabilitate the Bullywug is to make it a playable ancestry and therefore allow people to play as cute frog people. If you do that, then I think we can kind of take a further step towards decoupling this inherently evil Bullywug idea. So those are my fixes. I would give them, it's kind of four, it's sort of a cheat. I would give them a hopping attack and maybe a tongue lash. I would give them the ability to summon frogs and toads. I would then maybe design the Bullywug as a playable ancestry, which by the way, a great place to put Standing Leap as a power. You know, for a player character, it makes a little bit more sense to care about that. With a monster, I just don't. And that's going to do it for us. That's our episode. A nice quick one, but I think it's kind of good to return to that after these long, long episodes we've had recently. As I mentioned before, uh, I'm going to take a short hiatus after this episode because we are now officially done with the bees. I want to make sure we get caught up on our streams, which if you haven't been watching, come check out our YouTube channel every Thursday, well, most Thursdays, we do a monster workshop stream where we take the uh, monster we were talking about here in the show and we redesign them. So if you want to see how I would redesign the Bullywug in person, come check out the stream. It is at uh, 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. Uh, but like I said, we'll take a short hiatus so that way I can get the C episodes ready and I can kind of catch up on Monster Workshop. But until then, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I gotta leap out of here. And happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at XPWebSeries. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>